1: Hello, welcome, 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 and you may be so surprised all of a sudden to be like, "Wait, where's Brian?" This is Tracy DeForge. You're listening to 98.1 FM, AM 1220 KHTS, and this is the Ask Brian Show. And how do we spell Brian? B R I E N. Yes, thanks, Patty. Woo! Of course. Okay. So. Brian told me before the show, so he's going to be arriving, speaking of flying solo, he's flying solo into Los Angeles, <laughs> flight that solo by himself, we don't want to give that indication, traffic copters everywhere would be like, what, <laughs> uh, but no, he'll, he'll be joining us when his flight lands, he gets his bags and can get here as soon as possible, but until then, it's just you and me, Patty, and our fabulous guest. Yes, indeed, sir. So So, for those of you who are new to the Ask Brian show and don't even know who Brian is, but you do know that it's not usually spelled B-R-I-E-N, we want to showcase why we think the E is so important in AskBrian.com. So, Patty, the number one reason the E is important is because of the...
0: There are a number of words that have to do with us, Brian Tracy. That's almost like our theme. Remember, That
1: is kind of our theme. Yeah, but I think the number one reason, the number one, he is always the engineer because you it have to stop. start with the engineer. If you don't have an engineer, you don't have a show, right?
0: Yeah, that's what I've been saying. You know, Tracy, you, <laughs> need, you need to host this more than he does. You give me way more oh. than he does. <laughs> I like this. <laughs>
1: I tell him that I have. I have this. I have this like really weird and shaded feeling, he's somehow listening, and this is all, all just.
0: He yeah. probably is, and,
1: and, it, and probably lacks empathy for both of us right yeah. now. What do you think about that? I, I
0: believe he does, so and we, that's another word, empathy, because we're all very empathetic, even if we
1: are. And so we even well. though Brian. Isn't empathetic, but that's okay. We can't really. We shouldn't. We really shouldn't talk about him too badly while he's away because he will be back, and he'll probably listen to the podcast version of this and be like, "What?" He has a weird way of
0: being empathetic. He has a weird way, but it works. It counts.
1: It's a wonder, wonderful way. So we've got expertise. We've got entrepreneurship. We have got enthusiasm. We are never lacking enthusiasm or excitement. Or excitement. And what else am I missing here? Enthusiasm, excitement, entrepreneurship experts. We have a great expert guest. Yes, that's for sure.
0: Indeed. Well, there is also experience because everybody is very experienced in their field, and effort because we all give 110% effort in what we do here.
1: And we do give 110% effort, and especially bringing you the show, which we love talking about our stories with our experts and their entrepreneurship journeys and everything that they do to make the world excellent. Hey, there we go. (laughs) That
0: was the last one, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Okay, let's bring in our guest. I'm so excited about this guest that I had to get cut off talking to him before we could actually bring him on the show. So I can't wait to continue the conversation that we are having. Nick Lynch, co-founder and CEO of Kaleidoscope.io. Welcome to the Ask Brian Show.
2: Awesome, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, we are so glad you're here. You, you, know, Speaking of putting excellence out into the world, I am so in love with the topic that we are going to be talking about today, which is social media activation, fundraising, measurement platforms, but all with the putting good into the world and working with brands and solutions. And you have an amazing story that brought you to this place, and we want to hear all about what is Kaleidoscope. .io, and what was your journey getting you to this place? Yeah,
2: sure. So, you know, just to kind of set the table, you know, my, my background from a professional standpoint uh, I've been in marketing and advertising and, and, and the digital space for a better part of uh, 15 years here based in Los Angeles, pretty much building solutions and technology for brands and advertisers and agencies to better target their audience on, on digital and social media. Um, but from a personal standpoint, I'm a cancer survivor. I'm a Make-A-Wish kid. They sent me to Disneyland when I was sick, and I've been a part of their amazing family you know, ever since then, as well as just supporting various nonprofits throughout my entire professional and, and, and personal career. And what I've seen on the marketing side, uh, I, actually, I've been sort of fortunate to have a front-row seat into where sort of these two worlds are colliding, where, where brands and, and their marketing teams are looking at social impact, corporate social responsibility, and looking to be more aligned with causes and, and nonprofits. I mean, COVID really put a huge spotlight on the fact that, that social impact marketing and investments from brands, you know, is extremely important in driving not only brand perception, but really bottom line. Uh, and, and the corporate marketing teams really want to spend more dollars with these partners and these causes and, and align them closer with the nonprofits. But, it, you know, nowadays in terms of digital marketing, you know, everything is measurable. but. From a nonprofit perspective, there's a lot of challenges and, and a lot of resource restraints in terms of being able to actually execute and provide real good reporting for for brands to, to potentially, you know, invest more dollars and partner with them. And so these brands are really requiring better transparency and reporting. And, and that's really where Kaleidoscopes comes in. So we've built a social media analytics and measurement platform that allows brands, global causes, and social media influencers to better collaborate and measure their cumulative influence and impact. So think of us sort of like the... The Tinder or the match.com for brands, uh, nonprofits, and social media influencers. We, we find, you know, those types of matches and allow them to collaborate. And then we, we partner and, and promote those collaborations on social media for campaigns. And then we measure the efficacy of those partnerships and provide reporting back to the brand to let them know, you know, how powerful their integrations were with the nonprofits and how well it boosted their brand, as well as how well it provided, you know, positive impact downstream for the cause. Or the nonprofit that they're working with, so we're trying to essentially align incentives all around and make sure that everybody is working together in the most productive and collaborative and positive way to make the most impact, you know, they can. I,
1: mean, I think it's so important. You know, one of the things that's been happening over the last twenty plus years is really this aspirational goal of brands to be aligned with nonprofit organizations cause, like you said, and even more so recently in terms of social impact and social consciousness. But there hasn't really been a way as the brand or the agency for the brand to track an ROI on that. It's always been a nice, like, warm and fuzzy, a nice thing to – want to have as part of your messaging and your marketing strategy. But what I'm hearing you say is that this is really providing an opportunity to take those partnerships, take those alliances, and really be able to integrate them in a marketing strategy with tangible ROI results. Is that how you would describe it?
2: You just nailed it. You can be the CEO now. That was perfect. <laughs> um, <that's, laughs> that was exactly the way that we looked at the opportunity is that there? there's just – so much goodwill that's being you know built up from a brand perspective and to your point, you know, there's been focus and alignment for the last twenty years and trying, you know, for brands to really be more aligned with nonprofits. But now with the, you know, availability of, of data being so prevalent and you know the way that it's utilized to activate marketing campaigns, there's really just an expectation from, you know, these, these boards at that, that from a pub company perspective, as well as just many stakeholders even at private companies, to where they want a little bit more transparency and a little bit more insight into how those dollars are being spent. And there's just a tremendous roadblock because of the nonprofit side. And they'll they'll tell you this. I mean, they are fantastic people doing amazing things, but they're so focused on the mission. When it comes to, like, administrative work and paperwork, it's just not their forte. And they really don't have the resources or the expertise to do it. So, you know, we're really focused on building a platform that really builds that bridge between the two key stakeholders so that they can communicate the same way, that they can measure things the same way, and everything is as efficient and as effective as possible given now, you know, technology is so far advanced, you know, since, you know, the beginning of corporate social responsibility and, and nonprofit alignment.
1: No question, and I think, you know, ultimately I would imagine that the end game on this too is that it will create longer-term, more sustainable relationships between the brand and the nonprofit so that it becomes a partnership at that point, and it's not just an ad campaign but a real true relationship because it's a win-win, but then you can also take that to the bottom line on the P&L and the CMO's projections and things like that so that they can really continue this relationship in a way that's viable for both parties.
2: Yeah, one hundred percent. So there, there's absolutely the incentive and the goal to create broader partnerships because as you, you know, you can really only do you know effective things when you when you really are able to measure them, right? And so when we've measured campaigns in the past, not only have we been able to drive real insight into you know scalable opportunities for the brand, but also cost optimization for the nonprofits, right? So. When you're becoming a more effective and efficient nonprofit in terms of utilization of marketing dollars to drive donations, you immediately want to do more with the partnerships that you're seeing the data come from. So, exactly, you you nailed it. The, The opportunity really is to build partnerships up front, measure those partnerships, and figure out where you can scale them in the future.
1: Do you find that when the brands are making the decisions to align with these partnerships, do you find that they come from a personal passion point, like you were saying before, that you are a cancer survivor, and that ultimately was um, a big part of your journey that led you to create and co-found and run this company? When you're talking to CMOs and CEOs who are making the decisions, are they – coming at it from a personal place of like they had a family member that might have had Alzheimer's or lung cancer or they are really passionate about endangered species, is it a top-down or is it more about we have a product line, let's say Patagonia, for example, is a really great outdoor company, let's work with a boys and girls club and encourage people to go outdoors, like how are they making the decisions to align with these nonprofits?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of both. It's um, top-down and bottom-up. So from a top-down, you know, the most straightforward way to look at it is, is as a brand and as a product, where are our values and how do they align with potential nonprofit missions? And that's been sort of the driving force for the last, you know, better part of two decades, right? But what we're also seeing is a humongous generational shift in terms of, you know, really Gen Z, um, really driving – the, you know, the focus on, on where brands should be focusing on, you know, their corporate their social responsibility initiatives, right? And it's really accelerating those conversations. And so you're seeing sort of from the bottom up this generational real leadership in terms of where their passions are aligned and where they believe, you know, the company and them themselves really want to focus on, on the causes. So it's, we're seeing a really cool sort of merge of top-down, bottom-up, but really momentum forward um, for, for causes that are that are aligned, both professionally uh, from a business standpoint as well as personally.
1: Yeah, I do think, I mean, the purse power is also, I think what, what I'm hearing you say is the purse power is, is also indicating these level of partnerships because it used to be a nice to have and it, it's a need to have now because people are going to be much more wise as to where they use their disposable income and spend their disposable income, and they're going to want to align with brands who are being more socially conscious and placing funds in other places or at least allocating funds through revenue shares or percentage of profits or things like that, right?
2: Yeah, 100%. So not only, not only is that happening, but also just the visibility of it. Before corporate social responsibility was a footnote on a website or maybe a newsletter that was internally circulated even as much as like three or five years ago, CS, you know, corporate social responsibility was still more looked at as a recruitment tool, right? That, that hey, join a company that's doing good. But now, you know, over the last couple of years, it's really accelerated to, you know, this is what we're doing and this is how we're doing it and this is why we want our, our consumers and our customers to be a part of, of that value journey and this is how we want to scale it, right? And they're becoming much more deliberate and much more communicative about what corporate social responsibility means to them as a brand and how they hope to scale it in community with their customers. And so that's really where the marketing teams are now coming in. They're integrating with corporate social responsibility. You know, it's it's no longer part of a you know an HR team. It's really more moved into a corporate brand team and, and really focusing on what that looks like. So we're just that's we're seeing just a lot of migration happen internally and in how they're how they're organizing it and how they're executing it as well.
1: And I think, you you know, it's always great to have that buy-in internally. And I know, like, you have a lot of situations where people will have team walks, like for Relay for Life and fundraising. And my dad used to be super involved in the March of Dimes Walk America. And so it's really nice to have that individual buy-in. But what I love about what you're doing and what Kaleidoscope is doing is it's really taking that vagueness around a percentage of our profits go to or, you know, it always just felt like, Yes it was a nice marketing message but it was also not a very transparent marketing message because it was just when you say a percentage of it's like that that could be defined in any way that feels good for the the CFO, right? So I mm-hmm. love what you're doing because you're actually being able to show specific things. Like I was reviewing a case study between the American Lung Association and Champions United. And these are some really powerful figures of like $340,000 fundraise, 105 average individual donation. You're able to talk about 4 million plus social reach. And those are things that really make people trust and verify this whole alignment, and then that reiterates their willingness to want to work with that company as an employee or as a customer.
2: Yeah, 100%. I I love that case study, not only just because it it proves what we're doing, but it really proves how well and how efficiently, if you measure things and if you can create some automation, you can get tons of corporate partner buy-in. You can manage those relationships uh, in in an effective way. And by using those partnerships, you can raise more money than what your goal was. Because for that, for that campaign, their goal is $250,000. So they blew through the campaign goal because they were able to measure the effective tactics of the campaign and optimize to those those tactics, which really drove up donations. But what's also really cool is, you know, typically what you see in a nonprofit space is you expect to see anywhere from a 40 to 60% expense ratio, meaning that, like, whatever your Gonna um, raise for your event, you're typically thinking you're gonna spend almost half, right, to raise that amount. You know, right. because we were able to, to measure what we were doing in a real transparent way from a tactical perspective, we were able to reduce budget and cost from areas where they typically would have spent money and focus it more into what was driving ROI. So their expense ratios were just drastically lower when, than what they expected and what they typically see. And so, By able to measuring all that, you're boosting boosting donations, which is amazing. You're reducing costs, which is fantastic. And then at the end of this, you can provide really in-depth reporting back to your 54-plus corporate partners that say, hey, this is what we did, this is how we did it, and we can do it even better next time and we'd love for you to be a part of it today, right? And so you can really create those, to your point at the beginning of this, long-lasting partnerships that you can scale because you can now create more trust uh, and more transparency into the
1: things you're doing. Which also internally for the nonprofit then gives them the ability to take the foot off the gas a little bit in terms of their having to constantly, repeatedly fundraise, because if they can align with these corporate partnerships in a way with all of this great transparency results, then they don't have to keep going back to the well, which I know is exhausting and also takes a lot of resources and human capacity to do that too. So before the break, we were just about to get into what I call your journey story, and you were Make-A-Wish Kid, and obviously your wish came true for a lot of people because you're still here, and you're doing great, and you're changing the world with Kaleidoscope, but how did you go, because I know you have a really great background in solutions for brands and survivors, but how did you really, you know, what was that moment when Kaleidoscope became a vision for you and then a reality?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, because I've been fortunate enough to be a recipient of a nonprofit and such an amazing organization like Make a Wish. One of the first things that I wanted to do when, you know, it, it allowed with my time and my my bandwidth allowed me to was to to really integrate myself with the LA chapter here. So about six or seven years ago, I reached out to CEO and I told him my story, and I kind of expected, you know, an email from a secretary or something like that, you know, within. a a week, maybe a couple weeks, he called me like within 20 minutes of of me sending the email and we had this long conversation about, you know, my journey and and how I could help. And so really from that day forward, I've been part of the advisory board for the Make a Wish um, organization here in Los Angeles. I helped them launch their Young Professionals Council. And so, you know, throughout, you know, my journey with them, this was sort of my first opportunity to kind of peek behind the curtain, really understand like operationally how does a nonprofit work? How does this nonprofit work? What are the operational challenges of actually running a nonprofit? And, you know, because coming from the outside in all the time, you may ask, like, oh, well, why can't you just do this? Or why can't you just do that? I mean, my, my background as a marketer, I had like a, a million questions about why they weren't doing certain things. And so, you know, because I was able to, to, to sit on these boards and to see firsthand you know, all of the, the challenges that, that nonprofits face, not particularly just to them, but all, of, all nonprofits, it gave me a, a lot of clues around what could potentially be utilized or could be built in order to unlock all the opportunities for nonprofits. And so that, that big, hopefully gives you some context into that. And then, you know, you fast forward to, you know, March 2020, I, I'm on a plane back from Singapore. We're probably, I think this is two weeks before everything shut down in the United States. And I was having conversations with my co-founder at the time about, you know, what's going to happen when all of these nonprofits can't do in-person events, which essentially is where they get about 75% of their revenue generally um, as a nonprofit. So what's going to happen if, when COVID shuts things down and nonprofits can't do in-person events? Like, what, what are they going to do? And that was really sort of the spark behind Kaleidoscope is, is, is really thinking through, you know, I, I, now that I know operationally, you know, what holds nonprofits back, seeing sort of, you know, a couple steps ahead, what are the things that are they going to need? And then how can I create solutions to help bridge that gap, um, you know, to, to help them really move forward, to help nonprofits become a little bit more digital savvy and, and more socially savvy than they are. Um, and again, admittedly, they'll tell you that they're, you know, couple years, maybe even decades behind sometimes in terms of how they leverage marketing. And so that was really the genesis of, of all this is really just trying to help nonprofits get through the the challenge of COVID and and, and how are they going to pivot. And, you know, we look ahead and a lot of the things that nonprofits have learned through this time, they're going to continue to do because they found really great success in it, more efficiency in it, less cost around it. And so, you know, I'm very thankful and appreciative of my experiences um, before this that helped me put solutions together for the nonprofit space and for the corporate social responsibility space to really help everybody work together moving forward.
1: And, you know, there's been so much chaos and craziness in the world as a result of everything that everyone has gone through in the last 18 months or so. And what I'm hearing you say that I think is a really nice silver lining, and at any point in the day right now we're looking for a silver lining, And that is that you have really opened up this new world of digital nonprofit giving and engagement, if you will, in a way that supersedes and and works around the live event model. But we're all hoping, and I know eventually we're going to get back to the live model is never really going to go away because people are going to still want to go see live shows. They're still going to want to go to galas. They're still going to want to buy art at art auctions and all the things that really make robust nonprofit events. So what I think is the silver lining about this is that you now have this robust opportunity for them to build the bridge in between these live events, but also as a whole other, maybe even broader revenue stream for them above and beyond just their one annual event or their quarterly events or things like that. So this is a sustainable thing for them to do fundraising going forward, right?
2: Absolutely. I mean, there, there's no reason why that you know you can't start activate reactivating your you know your galas and your auctions, but also do things like a campaign. Let's say with Bloomingdale's, right? Their, their Bloomingdale's will do every quarter or so. They'll do sort of like their roundup campaigns for a charity of their choice. There's no reason why a charity, an influencer, and a brand like Bloomingdale's couldn't work together to do some online campaigns to push people towards. Something in person, right, or online, right? And so there's ways. Those are the big things that we're seeing. Is that we gotta, we gotta make sure that all of these people who want to do good can find opportunities together, and then we can support those opportunities online. That's the big thing that we're we're building this platform for.
1: And so we're really talking a lot and focus a lot on the opportunities for the nonprofits to really optimize your platform and generate revenues and have really successful fundraising campaigns. Let's talk a little bit about your model with Kaleidoscope.io. What is your business model and how do you monetize Kaleidoscope?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the way that we're focused, I mean, we're software as a service company, a SaaS company. And so we've built software that that nonprofits and corporate brands can, can license. And so our software allows them to discover opportunities where there's alignment uh, between the, you know, again, nonprofits, corporate brands, and, and influencers, and then they can manage those those communications and those campaigns and, and measurement all in one platform. So we'll charge, uh, you know, a monthly software fee to access and utilize our software. And then we also have opportunities to, you know, activate things like donation collection as well as, you know, a managed service. So there are a lot of brands and or agencies as well as nonprofits who want to execute campaigns but may need some additional support or some additional resources. And so we can provide some managed services to help, you know, set up and and execute and optimize the campaigns if if they don't have the ability to. So those are sort of the three core models that we leverage, which is the software, the donation collection and processing, and the managed services.
1: That's amazing. So talk to us about your team. What kind of team did it take to build it? And where are you now with your team in terms of expansion?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we, we've been super fortunate. Um, my we have, I have two co-founders. One of my co-founders I've worked with for the past almost five years in influencer marketing and social media marketing. And then my third co-founder, uh, our technical co-founder, all three of us have actually worked together for a better part of three and a half or four years, actually building solutions for brands to better work with influencers. And so when this opportunity kind of came to us uh, at the beginning of last year, we realized that we could repurpose a lot of, the existing IT and the existing technology and really just sort of reskin it and retool it and refocus it a little bit to be focused more on the nonprofit space. So they have been great, great co-founders and with lots of experience, uh, which has been awesome. Um, and so you know we have our technical team is actually based in Thailand, but our, our core sort of operational team is here in the United States. We have a small team here in the US, about six people really focused on supporting our, our brands and our nonprofit partners and executing campaigns. And really where we're focused now is from a scale perspective is, you know, really reaching out to the, you know, the top brands who are focused on executing CSR campaigns as well as the, the the various nonprofits both in LA and California and really across the country to execute uh, and, and build out the rest of the year and moving into 2022.
1: So that's a great question. I mean, that's a great point that I have a question around. So with your company, what I am hearing you say is, like, you're working primarily maybe with events that are in specifically in California right now, or are you really targeting, like, because there's so many different layers of organizations. Like, there's the um, Make-A-Wish, for example. So, they have, like, a national cha- chapter. So, they have, like, a sure. international, national, then regional, local, and then get down into yeah, different, yeah. different cities. Sure. And so, ultimately, do you want to take over the world of these organizations and then be, yeah. like, running campaigns on the local regional, national, international level for independent yeah. organizations?
2: Sure. Yeah, no, so it's, it's interesting. So our story actually, I should have, and I should have probably included this, our story started in Singapore. So as I was flying back and, and, and working through these ideas from, from my flight to Singapore, we have a lot of relationships with agencies, brands, influencers, the government in Singapore. Uh, the, the Singaporean government is very um, supportive of nonprofits, particularly around sustainability. And so... We actually beta tested our solutions with I think it was about a dozen and a half nonprofits in in Singapore. Um, we 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 found those those nonprofits. We worked together with influencers and we built campaigns and found corporate partners and you know really tested you know battle tested our our technology there and helped you know those dozen and a half nonprofits raise I think about a hundred and fifty thousand dollars last year. So that was the beginning and so. Once we were done sort of testing it in Singapore, we brought it back to the United States, and our go-to-market strategy was really around how do we leverage our existing network? So, you know, Wish, American Lung Association, and several other, you know, nonprofits that we knew we started to test there. And then the go-to-market really started to scale. And so we've actually, you know, gone outside, you know, of California and focused on, you know, broadly in the United States because, to your point, there are so many different, organizations everywhere. We're working mostly with national teams and then we'll, we'll spill into their local chapters or their city chapters from there, which provides a humongous scale opportunity because once you're a part of a national organization, you know, these most of these nonprofits with uh, local chapters have anywhere from 40 to, you know, 200 different local chapters. So it's an opportunity to scale really nicely. Uh, and then we're also partnering with other large organizations from you know either either on the state level, so we're partnered with the Alliance of Nevada Nonprofits that supports all of the nonprofits in Nevada, which is several thousand. Um, and you know we're having other conversations with other partners that you know support several thousand and, and in some cases over a million nonprofits as well. So that's that's sort of the goal is to slowly roll out at the national levels and then kind of roll into the local levels and then make larger strategic partnerships at, at maybe state levels as well as global partnerships. One of the biggest markets that we're strategically eyeing is, is India. They are actually by number have the most amount of nonprofits in the world. They have about 2 million. The United States has about one and a half, but India has 2 million. So, you know, we're, in terms of expansion and internationally, really 2022, we have a, a keen eye on, on India in terms of, you know, because their, their population is over a billion. They have 2 million nonprofits, and there's a lot of dollars going into there that uh, need additional transparency and support with
1: That's so amazing. And so I know that you are working and aligning with the the brands. I know you're working in aligning with the nonprofits. How are you navigating media partnerships?
2: Yeah, so it's interesting. A lot of the early business that we've actually been referred, and almost all the business that we've actually been able to acquire has been referrals, but a lot of it is actually a lot of our media partners. We have a lot of PR relationships. We have a lot of other media relationships and all the time we're getting hit up or, or recommended by those partnerships. And so they're definitely a key partner for us, and we love to figure out how to make you know, synergistic opportunities around those types of relationships.
1: Because it feels like you have, you know, you have this really great network within the nonprofit organizations themselves, and then the brands, of course, have budgets to align with marketing campaigns for paid advertising. But it also feels like such a good fit for the media partners, the iHeart radios of the world, and some of the other media outlets that could really take this image to a whole other level, in which they could be marketing solutions as well as. Co-oping with the brands and with the nonprofit it feels like just such a robust network of impact.
2: Yeah, 100% it's funny that you bring that up. so one of the things just to tease like some some findings that we'll probably be releasing over the next 30 60 days. the big focus of what we do is, is really around transparency and analytics and so we've been looking at the nonprofit digital spend over the last two years in terms of you know how how publishers are allocating, sort of their unsold inventory and which nonprofits are getting access to that unsold inventory i mean there's trillions excuse me trillions and trillions of, of ad impressions that are unsold on a monthly basis right uh, and most right. of those unsold you know ads are being filled with free nonprofit ads. And so it's been really interesting to look at what that is and how that, how that's affecting nonprofits and who's actually getting that. So we're actually going to release some really interesting data around, you know, who's getting, who's the benefactor of those free impressions and how can we, better diversify and create more equitable opportunities for all nonprofits.
1: And I'm sure the media partners would be excited to have that happen as well. I think we yep, have 100%. in the house in a really noisy way. Hi! <laughs> we definitely have them. Yes, I am. And I'm not screaming yet, but I will be soon. Not yet. I'm sure it will be. We've been waiting for it. Hi! Welcome. We've got Nick, and we've been having an amazing conversation about kaleidoscope. And nonprofit profit partnership. Well, I'm going to let you take most of the lead because I don't want to ask a question that has already been asked. So uh, I'll be listening in. But I do, have, I do have one question, and that is, do you have any competitors? And who are they?
2: Yeah, no, it's an interesting question. So, you know, there's a lot of what I kind of call the, the legacy CSR space, which has been, you know, really great at helping brands, uh, and corporate partners activate their employees to, you know, to volunteer, to donate. And there's a lot of amazing, you know, legacy software providers that do really great things in terms of donor management or some levels of email marketing. You know, the guys like, you know, Salesforce and Blackbaud, which are, you know, mainstays in, in this space, definitely have bits and pieces of, of things that we're doing. But we're fortunate. We're, we're an early mover in the social media and influencer space when it comes to corporate social responsibility and social impact. And so we believe that because we're early movers and we have the expertise, we can build enough fortification and scale to where the incumbents don't get too ahead of themselves and, and try to try, try to compete directly.
1: Okay, well, what I wanted to know is whether or not, um, you know, is this like a posting thing? Like, you know, there's like 55,000 companies out there that have these posting software where you can post to five different places, there's a calendar and all that stuff. Is that what you do, or is it something different? I know it's with profit Yeah, no,
2: so yeah, I agree. There, we, we've built a solution. We've built a nonprofit version four of that where you can, essentially it's like a boot suite or a buffer competitor. But our yeah, our core business yeah. is really around the matching of, of brands, nonprofits, and influencers who are synergistically aligned, where their visions are aligned and their, and their values are aligned, and then supporting those campaigns on social media and then measuring those transparently. So, you know, a good example is, you know, we talked about American Lung Association earlier before. You know, we've identi- we identified partnerships, influencer partnerships, that aligned with the American Lung Association and the event that they were doing and we brought them in to do campaigns, and then we measured the efficacy of those campaigns. And so from those metrics and from those insights, we were able to identify which platforms worked best to, to raise awareness and to drive traffic and dollars. We knew which types of messaging and which types of imaging worked well. So as the campaign continue to roll out, um, we knew how to optimize and find better and larger partners and execute campaigns in, in that way. So we're really focused on the analytics and the insights around the campaign.
1: So, Nick, we've talked about all this positive impact, all the amazing things that your company is doing, and all of the the results as a a result of it. But there certainly has been a challenge. So in these next few minutes, what is the challenge that you faced? How did you overcome it? And what can we take away from that as entrepreneurs?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the the biggest challenge that we faced as a technology company that is supporting the social impact space and particularly working with nonprofits is regardless of the fact that COVID – you know, move nonprofits in a more digital direction, there's still a massive amounts of two things. One is legacy think, right? We've always done this or we're always we've always done that, so why would we change at the nonprofit space? And so, you know, legacy think is in, in any organization but but in particular the nonprofit space is challenging to overcome. And the other is the sort of the apprehension uh, of, tech, of utilizing technology in the nonprofit space. And so really to focus on and try to, to overcome those, we, we really wanted to make sure that we were meeting people where they, where they are, understanding where the limitations were, understanding where the knowledge gaps were, and try to create as much education, knowledge, and resources as possible. So we spent a good part of our early days talking to nonprofits Honestly, I, I think i talked to over 300 nonprofit leaders about, you know, what were they thinking through COVID? What were they thinking past COVID? What kind of technology were they using? Why didn't they use other types of technology? And really just listen to, where again, where they were in their process and in their journey as as industry executives and leaders. And then from that understanding and knowledge, really focused on, building resources and education. So we have a really robust resources page on our website that provides free playbooks for social media that define what social media is, that breaks down how to actually think about it and actually execute campaigns and social media organically. Uh, you know, what is influencer marketing? What is TikTok? And why do you use TikTok? And what are some free resources around design? And how do you use Canva, right? And so really taking the big reoccurring elements in those conversations and building resources around it so that we can meet our key stakeholders and our key customers where they were, build that trust early so that once we actually went back to them with solutions that they would actually have to pay for, they would understand that we were coming from a place of meeting where they were, meeting them where they needed to be and coming from a place of empathy, knowing that that's, we we know the challenges that they face. And so, that was the big focus for us. And that's that was, it still isn't gonna be a reoccurring challenge because there are millions and millions, there's over ten million nonprofits in the entire world. And so we're gonna consistently be learning and speaking to them and hearing where their challenges are in the next round. But that's really where how we overcame it is, is just listening, asking questions and listening and then building resources around those knowledge gaps and, and making sure that we were providing value and trust up front so that when it came time to providing actual paid solutions. We already had trust developed um, and sort of had that well of trust already built up.
1: Yeah, that legacy thinking will be, that'll kill you if you can't rise above it. So that's such an amazing point. How can people get in touch with you and learn more about and get engaged with your company?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You can check us out, kaleidoscope.io. That's Collide, C O L L I D E, Scope, S C O P E. Essentially, the worlds are colliding and we have the scope. It's Look to the Future, and it's .io, um, and that's our website. You can look at all of our free resources if you're a nonprofit. We have amazing resources if you're a brand or run a CSR team that are looking for ways to get better insight and traction into your campaigns and your social impact marketing. Um, and I'm Nick Lynch, and you can call me. I think our phone number's on the website. You have my email on the website as well, and I'm looking forward to working with everybody who's trying to make a positive
1: impact. Well, we're looking forward to having you come back on the show and tell us how you are changing the world in the nonprofit space with brands. We've been a great guest. We really appreciate it. Uh, Brian, have fun in Las Vegas, baby. Don't play too many slots. I'm taking, uh, I'm <laughs> taking Esquire and Radio and the podcast. I'm putting it on red. We'll see if we double it or or out or
0: out.